We're in this series where we're talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. We're seeking to understand him. And I've been jokingly and not jokingly saying that, you know, the Holy Spirit is not the cousinate of the Trinity, okay? He is a he. He is a person, which means as a person, we have a relationship with him if we are born again. Personhood means that there are three, at least three uh, qualities that are existence. There's, a, there's thinking, feeling, and will. So we have spiritual gifts according to his will. We are guided by the mind of Christ through the Holy Spirit who has given his word. And we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 says that. So he feels. And we have a relationship with God. And, and here's what I want to challenge you. And here's where I'm challenging myself. And just know, I am studying as, as hard as I ever have for this series of sermons because I am, I am so aware of how easy it is when you're talking about the Trinity, when you're talking about the Holy Spirit, to go into error and of modalism, of Arianism, all these doctrines. And I, I don't want to, I'm so cautious because I don't want to teach anything that's wrong. So I'm really filling my mind and aware of these distinctions. But at the end of the day, here's, here's where I'm, I'm being challenged and where I, I pray you're being challenged, that we would be challenged as a family of disciples making disciples, is that we would grow in our personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. He is a person, which means we can have a personal relationship with Him, which means we can grieve Him, which means that we can cause a problem in that relationship. Please understand, if you're having a problem in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, it's not on His end. If you're not being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not because He doesn't have power. If there's a problem with, with, with your relationship with the Holy Spirit, it's because of you. You're not walking in the Spirit. You're not abiding in the Lord. It's only in abiding in Jesus that you'll produce the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to talk about that next week. But if you're grieving the Holy Spirit with your indifference, with your apathy, with sin, well, you're, you're hurting that relationship. And I know that in our congregation, there, there are many who would say, I'm not walking in the Spirit. I'm not living a Spirit-filled, Spirit-powered life. And the reason why I believe that so strongly is because a friend of mine who was speaking to a group of pastors and missionaries and leaders asked that group of leaders, how many of you are really living the Spirit-filled life? How many of you are really filled with the Spirit, walking in step with the Spirit? Less than 10% of those said that they were. So if I take that to be true of, of key leaders, you know, you know the elite, I, I'm sure within, within the, all of Christendom, there are very few who really have a, 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 a true, powerful, personal walk with the Holy Spirit. A lot of that has to do with the, the fact that many of us have not been taught. And I recognize that, that that's a mistake in my own ministry that I'm right now seeking to remedy. And we're, gonna, we're giving the time right now to, to learn who the Holy Spirit is and how we are to function in that personal relationship with Him. But I also know that if we are not willing to repent of our sin, if we're not willing to pursue our responsibility in that relationship, then we're not going to experience the Holy Spirit's power. We won't be revived. You know, when I counsel couples who are struggling in their relationship, oftentimes one of the, I'll do two things. First thing I'll often do is I'll say, let's, let's, let's remember what your relationship was like when it first began, when there was passion, when there was heat and warmth. What was going on? Why were you drawn together? Why did you say, till death do us part? 
and, and try to rekindle some of that early flame. The other thing I try to do is to understand what went wrong. Where did you depart from that passionate way of life? Where did you get off course? And, and what I'm praying will happen today as the Word is taught is that we will remember what it was like and remember what happened when our relationship with God began, when we were born again. And the, the miracle that was there, the passion that was there, the heat that was there, our affections that were there. And as we're looking at our story and we're considering the fact that each one of us has a story that right now is being written, did we get, did we get off course? Have you gotten off course with God? Are you, are you off line with the Holy Spirit? Not, I'm not saying are you not saved. I'm talking to you who believe, and I know some of you are not believers, and I'm praying that the Spirit of God is even now drawing you to Himself with, with the idea of, wow, I can have a relationship with God like this. Yes, you can. I'm talking to you believers. Has there been, a, has there been something in your life and an unwillingness, maybe and an inability, to really stay in step with the Spirit as we're commanded to in Galatians 5? Well, in this series right now, we're, we're going to dig into the presence of God, how, how we have this life-giving presence in Jesus. And, and I'm praying as we talk about how that relationship was started, as we're talking about our story that is beginning to be uh, lived out, that, that the Spirit of God does something in our midst today. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, go with me to John chapter 3. This is one of, of two sections of Scripture we're going to be in today. Um, Casey's going to come and read for us verses 1 through 8. So let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. This is John chapter 3, and she's going to read verses 1 through 8. So Casey, read that for us. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is get born again, he can not see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it where it which <laughs> the wind blows where it wishes, and hear and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Casey. If you would go ahead and be seated. So I'm not going to do a verse by verse. I'm going to pull out some things, but I'm also going to show you. Um, a passage in the Old Testament that's crucial. Leave your finger there in John 3. Go ahead and, and uh, go to Ezekiel 37. I'm going to show you something in Ezekiel 37 and 36 that has to do with, with this, this passage in particular. The, the main thing I want you to catch here is what's going on with Nicodemus and what he's up to. Nicodemus is coming to try to make a deal with Jesus. He is representing the, the power brokers of Jesus' day, the religious leaders. So he is, um, he is a representative of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was made up of two, two types of leaders. There were the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees 
did not believe in the miraculous work of God in the world, didn't believe in angels, didn't believe in an afterlife, just believed that there was a God. Basically, they were deists. And then you had the Pharisees who believed in miracles, believed in the afterlife, believed in angels, believed in miracles. And Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Now, he is coming to Jesus at night. Interesting. He's coming because he's trying to make a deal with Jesus. And I want you to notice the conversation, the way this thing is going. He's basically coming. He's saying, look, Jesus, you're a good guy. We know that you're from God. You're doing a lot of cool things. And let's face it, you're the hot commodity right now. You're the popular one. You're the one that's getting all the headlines. And man, that's great. But let's not forget something. We're the power brokers. We run the temple. We have the ear of the government. Rome works with us, not with you. And, and so what, what Nicodemus is basically saying is, hey, Jesus, let's play ball. You be the icing on our cake. We got the stuff. You know, we could use you. We could really use a man like you. You know, why don't you come in and, and won't you be a part of what we're doing? And I just, I just, picture, I just picture Jesus literally laughing in his face. Laughing not only because of what Nicodemus is saying, but also knowing what he's going to do to Nicodemus in this moment. What is about to happen to this man and the transformation that's about to happen in his life. Because see, Jesus isn't interested in being the icing on our cake. Jesus is interested in new life. What Jesus was doing was a new thing. What Jesus was about was transformation. And, and Nicodemus is about to be transformed. He was about to be radically changed by the power and the grace of God. Understand what Jesus is interested in. Write it down. Jesus is interested in new life and not being the icing on our cake. See, the, the mistake Nick was making is the mistake that many people make with God. We often think that we're kind of a big deal and that, and that God would really be interested in being a part of our big deal. We kind of think, we got the cake, we just need Jesus to be the icing on it. We just, we just need Jesus to understand how smart we are, you know, and how gifted we are, and how we've already got it all figured out. We just need Jesus to come on and play ball with us. We're kind of like this little rich kid I heard about. His, uh, his dad was very wealthy, and so this young man was on an airplane flying first class. He's sitting by the uh, window, and he's looking out, and he's feeling really good about himself. And he noticed this well-dressed man next to him who's kind of watching him and looking out the window, watching him. And the guy said, I'm a little boy. said, I'm going to be like my daddy. I'm going to try to make a deal. So he looked over and he said, sir, I can see that you keep watching me and looking out the window. Uh, maybe you would like to sit in my seat. And what I'd like to know is how much would you be willing to pay to sit in my seat? The well-dressed man literally laughed, laughed out loud. He said, well, son, you need to understand something. And he pulled out his business card and handed it to him. He said, I own this airline's. I'm not real interested in your seat, but I am interested in your journey, and I'm interested in what you're experiencing. And, uh, but no, thank you. I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm doing okay. Here's what you need to understand about God. He's doing okay. He doesn't need our deal. He doesn't need any of us. But good news, he loves us and he wants us. He cares about your life. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be in a personal relationship with you. He wants you to keep in step with him. He wants to guide you, and he wants to enable you to experience the fullness of what only he can do. He wants to be our cake. He wants us to enjoy him. And you know what happens when we enjoy him? We glorify him. 
John Piper said this, we pointed this out a couple weeks ago, the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. God is not glorified when we serve him and pursue him out of guilt, shame, or to get something out of him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. When we say from the, from the depths of our hearts, I love Jesus. I love him and I obey him because I love him. And I am walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and I am bringing glory to my Father who has adopted me and made me his own. The Holy Spirit has come to give us new life. That life enables us to glorify and enjoy God forever. Now, what I want us to see is what that new life comes through, because I want us to remember where the relationship began, so that we can remember the passion, so that we can remember the warmth and the heat and the affection that, that started this relationship, and then look at where this relationship is going, where your relationship is going, and see if there needs to be a change in the course. So let's focus first on where this new life comes through. Take note, write it down. New life comes through spirit-powered revelation. Spirit-powered revelation. See, this is what Jesus was doing with Nick. He was revealing the truth. And see, this is what we are commanded to do. What we're commanded to do is nonsense to the world. What we're commanded to do makes no worldly sense. What we're commanded to do is what Ezekiel was commanded to do in Ezekiel 37. Go ahead, go ahead and turn over there. As you're looking there, let me tell you the background. Ezekiel was written to a people who'd given up, hoped that God was going to continue to use the nation of Israel. By this time, the temple had been destroyed. The, the people of God were in ex exile in Babylon, and it looked like game was over. There was no more hope. They were, they were out of God's will, and there seemed to be no going back. God through this prophet, was saying, no, I'm not done. No, even though you are dead, and even though you have no hope, I'm not finished yet. I've got a plan. And so what we see here in Ezekiel 37 is this vision of dry bones. I want you to imagine what Ezekiel saw in that vision. Imagine a valley where there are nothing but skulls and bones covering as far as the eye can see death everywhere as these bones are being scorched under the heat of the sun. And it's in this environment that the command is given to Ezekiel. Look at this in verse 4. Then he said to me, this is God <coughs> commanding Ezekiel, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. This is what God commands us to do. See, every human being born on this planet is born with a sin nature. That means we are born spiritually dead to God. That means that we are like dry bones. We cannot do anything of spiritual life on our own. We are spiritually dead. The scripture says plainly, clearly, the, the wages of sin is death. We've all sinned. We are dead to God. And yet there's a miracle that can happen. And there's a miracle that does happen. It's a miracle that happened in my life. When the word of God is revealed, there is a power that is released. 
and there is something significant that happens. We are commanded by God to be those who proclaim and who speak of the Word of God, to do what has been done for us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 and 25, it says, since you have been born again, again, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus how a person is born again. I am talking to people this morning, my audience, the main focus I have in my heart and mind as I am preaching today is to me and to those of you who are like me, born again. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God, for all flesh is like grass and its glory like the flower of the grass. You hear me say this every week. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. And this Word is the good news that was preached to you. Where... Where does this life come from? Where does new life come from? It comes from the revelation of God's Word. So here I was, a punk kid, not interested in God whatsoever, and yet the Word of God was being preached to me as I was trying to get a date with this really, really pretty girl who's now my wife. I wasn't interested in God. I was interested in a date. But what happened? The Word of God has power. As the Word of God was being revealed to me, something significant began to happen because that Word is living and active. And mom and dad, hear me. There's nothing more important that you can give your child than the truth of God's Word. Pray that your child will hear the, the Word of God. Have them in church to hear the preaching of God's Word. Have them in class to hear the teaching of God's Word. And then pray for a movement of God's Spirit. That's the second thing. That's where new life comes from. Pray for this. Pray for renewal. New life comes through Spirit-powered renewal. This is supernatural. But it happens in the natural. It happens in the real world. Nicodemus could not for the life of him understand what Jesus was talking about. I mean, bless his heart. You look in verse 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus is talking about being born again. And Nicodemus is like, dude, gross. I mean, you know, his mom, bless her heart. Imagine, hey, mom, talk to Jesus. We got to do something weird. He's thinking that way. Jesus said, no, no, no. It's not about having the water break in a mother's womb. Yes, you have to be born of water, but you must be born of spirit. There has to be a movement of God's Holy Spirit to bring new life. There's something supernatural that has to happen to you. That's what's described in Ezekiel 36. Go back now to the Ezekiel passage. Not 37, go to 36. If you don't have these, the, these two verses underlined in your Bible, underline them. If that's your uh, phone, highlight them. These need to be highlighted. These are two of the more important dots that connect all of biblical history, specifically our understanding of the Holy Spirit of God and salvation. So what happens when the Spirit of God brings someone to life? We know it's through the revelation of God's Word, but also through the renewal of the Holy Spirit. What is happening when spiritual renewal, when, when someone is being born again, when there is new life, what's going on here? Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. Make sure you've underlined 26 and 27 in your Bibles. Make sure you know this. Here's the promise. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. 
And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules. When a person is born again, in that moment, they feel deep conviction. Now, I understand that it is for many people to process. It was a process for me. As I was sitting under the preaching of God's word, as I was hearing discussion about scripture, the revelation of God's word was, was causing that seed of the gospel to get down in me. But there were people praying that I would be saved. And the Holy Spirit, in an amazing moment, June 28, 1988, I came under heavy conviction, and suddenly my heart was changed. I started feeling guilty for stuff that I didn't give a rip about before. Suddenly, there was a transformation in my being. My spirit changed, and suddenly I was filled with the Spirit of God. He was alive in me. He was speaking to me through his word. He was causing me to rethink my life decisions, the way I talked, the way I treated people. He gave me a sense of, of, of human dignity and made me, I couldn't believe it, respect other people, to care about them. It was like, you ever seen the, the Grinch who stole Christmas? Remember at the end, he's like, what's happening to me? And it said his heart grew. My heart was dead. And he gave me a new one. That's what happens when you're born again. How does this happen? I can't explain it. I can tell you the manifestation of it. And Jesus was, was being so gracious and patient with Nicodemus. He was, he was explaining, you look in verses 7 and 8, you can't explain how the wind moves. You hear it. You see the, the effects of the wind. You don't know where it comes from. You don't really know how it works. I don't really get it. But here's what I know. Every Sunday I preach. And as I'm preaching, people are sitting here, many of you, you know, same background, same basic view of the world, same education, and some of you are being moved to tears and some of you are being bored to tears. Now, why is that? Similar people, same spitting preacher, and yet there are some who are being moved and others who could care less. Why? Because there are some who are walking in the Spirit and some who are not. There's some who are alive to God, and there are some who are dead to God. Some of you sitting here are not Christians. And what I'm saying to you doesn't make any sense because you've not experienced it. And what you're receiving today is the revelation of God's Word. What we're praying for you is renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now, in order for the renewal of the Holy Spirit to happen, there's something we all must do. In order for us to experience renewal, we must do something. Write it down. New life comes through number three, spirit-powered response. There's revelation, renewal, and response. Now go back to John chapter 3. Most of our Bibles conclude the interaction with Nicodemus in verse 15, which I think is a mistake. Most of you are familiar with verse 16, but do you see how important verse 17 and 18 is in light of this conversation that Jesus continues to have with Nicodemus? He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18, so crucial. Make sure you understand this. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. In order to be born again, you must repent and believe. You must confess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. 
It's not just something that happens to you. It's like a baby. A baby on the day of its birth, the, the baby doesn't choose its birthday. The, the, the mother's body chooses the day of its birth under the sovereignty of God. But when that baby comes through the birth canal, that baby, having come into the world, must breathe, must respond to the new environment, to the new reality, or that child will die. So it is those of us who have been revealed the Word of God and been moved by the Spirit of God and given a new heart. We must, we must, we must breathe. We must believe. We must repent and believe. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. You must believe in your heart and then do something with your body. You must confess Jesus Christ is Lord. And some of you need to do that right now. Some of you are not Christians Some of you have been going to church. Some of you children, you've been sitting here this morning and you've been acting very good. Good job. But acting good in church is not going to get you to heaven. The only way you can have eternal life is you must tell God, God, I'm wrong. I've sinned. Forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. Take over my life. I repent. I believe. When we talk about the three circles, this is where new life comes. As we repent and believe the gospel, we recover and pursue God's design. And the moment you do that, your life will never be the same again. Now, some of you, most of you are born again. But what's up with your story? I mean, are you living a spirit-filled life? I mean, are you a picture of what God intends for his children? What is your relationship like with the Holy Spirit? See, there's a rest of the story. Write it down. There is a rest of the story for everyone who is born again. Philippians 1, 6 says this, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of of Jesus Christ. So there's going to come a day when there's no more sanctification, there's no more growth. That's the day we meet Jesus face to face. Until that day, until, and from now until that day, there's all kinds of change that needs to happen. And that change is only going to happen by the Spirit of God. Nicodemus had the rest of his story. See, he was radically changed. Jesus introduced him to the Holy Spirit. He was born again. The Spirit of God revealed to him the greatness of Jesus Christ, and his story was never the same. As a matter of fact, while Jesus was alive, and when it was very unpopular, Nicodemus stood for Jesus. John chapter 7, verse 50. Look at this. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. He was sticking his neck out because he believed in Jesus Christ. He had been born again. And now as they were ridiculing Jesus, as they were seeking to wrongly condemn him, Nicodemus was standing up and saying, What we're doing is wrong. Can I tell you that cost him money? That that cost him friendships. That cost him political power. He didn't just do it once. After Jesus Christ was died, had died, and it was time for him to be placed in the tomb, Joseph of Arimathea stood up, and so did Nicodemus. John 19, look what happened, beginning in verse 39. Nicodemus also, who early had come to Jesus by night, John chapter 3, what we read earlier, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight, a lot of money. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with spices, and it, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Nicodemus stood publicly for Jesus Christ. That's his story. 
As the church was building its biblical doctrine, there were conversations that were had. Acts chapter 15 was one of these crucial conversations. Look who was there. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees were there. Who do you think that was? It was Nicodemus. He was a member of the party of the Pharisees who believed in Jesus Christ, who was in Jerusalem, who was standing for the gospel of Jesus Christ because he had been born again. His story was transformed. You know what? A long time ago, I found something true about my life, that when I pleased my wife, my life was better. You ever heard the saying, happy wife, happy Yeah. I mean, even before I became a Christian, I discovered that if I was going to use bad language or do something goofy that my friends thought was funny, she wasn't going to stick around. She would not put, she's never put up with nonsense from me, even today. What I've discovered is when I, when I please her, my life works better. You know what I found about the Holy Spirit? When I please him, my life works better. Some of you are here today and you are followers of Jesus Christ. You're born again, but if you're honest with yourself, you're just going through the motions. You do not have the passion for Jesus that you once had. You're not excited about what God's doing in your life and in the world. You don't mind to come to church in as much as it's interesting to you and it gives you something you want. But if you're honest, you're not revived. And why is that? If there's a problem with your relationship with the Holy Spirit, I can assure you it's not on His end, it's on yours. Why aren't you walking in step with the Spirit? Why aren't you revived? Why aren't you hungering for the Word? Why aren't you making disciples? Why aren't you excited about what God is doing in the world? How can you yawn through church? How is it that you can go through the motions week in, week out, knowing that you are not living a spirit-filled life? It happens one step degree at a time. So I'm asking you this morning, is this really the story you want told of your life in heaven? You sat through church, you made it through, you didn't get in too much trouble, you were baptized when you were supposed to be, and you made it to heaven. Are you tired of being bored with your life in Christ? I am. I want to be a part of something that can only be explained by the power of God. You may not be interested in that, and that's fine. But if you are, it's going to take some change on your, our part. Maybe you've lost that heart and passion. Good news. If you'll come to him and ask him to revive you, Scripture shows that he will. If you'll ask for a miracle in his name, and you will follow him, you'll oftentimes see the hand of God at work. But you've got to humble yourself and ask, do you want him? Do you need him? I'm going to give you an opportunity to come and pray to him. Let's stand together. Lord, I need you, and I, I want you. I, I want my relationship with you to be live, lively and active. Lord, I, I pray for your church. I pray for us that, that we will be a revived people that, that are not just people who know 
Bible facts, but that we are truly walking in the Spirit. Lord, I pray for every person in this room today, and I pray for some who are saying, Lord, I really do. I really want to walk in the Spirit. I really want my life to be under your leadership. I really want to see you transform me and change my story. Lord, I pray you'll hear them as they come. I pray for some today who want to come get on their knees and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me today. Thank you for taking over my life. Change my story. Lord, I pray for some who want to just come and ask for you to do something very specific in their life or in the life of someone they love. We need you, Lord. Come and pray as we sing.